I think God's used us and prepared us and trained us, got us ready to do some things, so now, now the church is ready to grow. I don't know how big, how fast, whatever. You know, that's up to God. I have no control. We have control over putting out flyers, advertising on Facebook. You know, there's things that we have control over that we can do. But in the end, it's really the Holy Spirit that draws people. It's the Holy Spirit that compels people to, to a ministry, to, more importantly, to Him. You know, I, I mean, I'd be glad. I, I want to see this place full, but I would be glad if God used us to witness to people and get them saved and they'd get planted a good, a good Bible-believing church somewhere else. I'd be a-okay with that. We're seed planters, but I'm also looking forward to seeing the harvest here too, seeing this place grow. And, and I think we're, we're getting to a place... In maturity wise, spiritually, where we're ready for people to come and we can make them feel the love of Christ that, that we want them to feel. All those people in that video, they're searching for something. They're, they're, they're searching for a blast, searching for fun, excitement, life. We can introduce them to real life, to true life, and that's our job. <laughs> I'm going to look at three different scriptures today. We're going to start at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its lampstand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's our job, it's our responsibility to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. For one, it's big. For two, it's got a ton of lights probably if it's a city. Nobody puts a, t lights a lamp. Back then they had oil lamps. That's how they lit their house. Nobody lights an oil lamp and then puts it under their bed or under, under a basket or something because it's going to burn up whatever it's under and it's not going to show any light. It's going to defeat the purpose of it. Instead, they put it on a nice post up high where everybody can see it. Jesus has called us to be the light of the world. This was actually Jesus himself speaking here when he said that. The, the passage we read was all Jesus himself speaking. You know, the Bible, we know that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All, all the Bible is important, even if it's one verse. But I, I personally, not that... Again, not that I'm discrediting a lot of the Bible at all. I'm not, because all Scripture is God-breathed. But this is like coming right from our commander-in-chief here. This is like if you worked for a big corporation, and that's the guy. That's the guy that you've seen pictures of, but you've never seen him because you're the little guy or the little lady. And all of a sudden, the guy... The in our case, the admiral, 
or the President of the United States, and he comes to talk to you specifically. He gave us this instruction. It's our job to do it. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. That's what we're called to do. That's what we need to do. I want to jump over to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Again, some more commands right from our commander-in-chief, right from the Lord himself. <clears throat> this, is, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. I mean, there's, like I said, I love them all. But this is one that I, that I think about quite often. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I like that. And surely I am with you always unto the end of the age. Jesus knew that it was going to be tough at times. He knew that people are going to get persecuted for their faith. He knew that the people he was talking to at that time, some of those people were going to die for their faith in Christ. But he basically is telling them to look up. There's another scripture that says, when all these terrible things are happening, when all these signs of the times are happening, look up for your redemption draws nigh or draws near. He, he loved his disciples enough to tell them, look, this is what you need to be about doing, but please remember, even though you don't see me, I am with you always. I'm right there with you. I'm carrying you through. Some of you may um, be familiar with the, um, the, the plaques, the um, footprints in the sand. The guy in the, in, the, in the story there, he's like, Lord, you know, I, I see you there when, you know, when things are good. You're, you know, I see two foot sets of footprints in the sand. Everything's cool. Everything's going good. But he goes, Lord. When, when I was going through the tough times, you know, where were you? I didn't, I only saw one set of footprints in the sand. What, you know, what happened? What's going on? And the Lord replied to the man, he says, those were the times that I carried you. I was carrying you so that you don't have to go through those times alone, so that you know that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Lord will carry you through whatever trial, whatever test you're going through, and it's not going to be easy. That's why Jesus assures you that he is there to help you, because he knew it was going to be tough. He knew that some of his best friends in the whole world on this earth that were right there with him, that some of those guys were going to get killed for their faith in him. He says, I am with you always. 
We need to remember that. Sometimes it's so hard to remember that. We need to remember, I think I said it earlier today, that God makes all things work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. That's a scripture I love too. I don't like to pick and choose scripture, so to speak, because it's all important. A lot of people pick and choose, well, this, this goes with what I believe or what I like, so I'll preach on that. But this scripture, yeah, it don't really go with me too well, so I'll just forget about that one like it's not there. I'll just kind of push it off to the corner. We can't do that. This Bible, whatever translation you're holding, this scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. He says, I will make all things work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. There's going to be times where we need to remember that scripture that we read in Matthew 28. That, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We need to remember that. It's so important. I want to look at Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and a bunch of other books. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 4. <clears throat> there, were, there was 120 disciples at that point. You know, and that's funny when we think about it. You, we remember Jesus fed the 5,000 plus men and women, or plus women and children. He fed the 4,000 plus women and children. There was tons and thousands of people that followed him around wanting to hear from him and, and judging whether, you know, what's the truth? What's going on here? Is this guy real? What's happening? Is he really the son of God? Is he the Messiah? But when it all came down to it, he told his disciples, he made it clear, I want you to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And then you'll have power. But only there was only 120. Out of thousands and thousands of people, could have been 20,000 people. If you think 5,000 people plus, plus women and children, they were big families back then. They weren't just, oh, we're two and through, like, like me. <laughs> Some of these guys had big, big families. So it could have been, we don't know, could have been 20,000 people there. But it turns out there's only 120 in the upper room that said, yep. He said to wait in Jerusalem. He said to tarry and to pray and wait for the Holy Spirit. And we are going to do just that. We are going to be there in one accord and we are going to do whatever God leads us to do. We as Arise Church International need to remember that too, that even though we're few, you got to start somewhere. Jesus started out with 12, and then it actually dropped down to 11, realistically. Be faithful in the little, says the Lord, and I will give you much. We need to be faithful with the little group that we have, and we need to just go about the Father's business just like these 120, they could have been discouraged and said, where's the other 19,000 people? Where are they at? What, you know, gee, we saw our Messiah die. We saw him rise from the dead. That was awesome. 
But now he's gone and we're all by ourselves again. They could have had a little pity party, but they didn't. They, that 120 said, man, we are going to get together. We're going to celebrate the stuff just like we've been doing. We're going to eat together, pray together, live together. And whatever God wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, we're ready for it. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together. So, let me back up a hair. Suddenly, in verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole place because the whole house where they were sitting. So there's this violent blowing, this big wind. All of a sudden there's people that hear it that are like, what in the world is going on over there? We want to check that out. You know, they're just curious. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, verse 5, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. They were there to celebrate the Passover feast. So everybody's there hanging out. When they heard this sound... A crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Gentiles? How is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, I may pronounce some of these wrong, Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our, in our tongue. Everyone heard them speaking, heard the, the twelve, the disciples, the eleven, speaking in their own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun, <laughs> said to them, they have had too much wine. It's funny how some people, when they, even when they see a miracle of God, they have to brush it off on something. They can't just accept it as it is. I want to look back at Acts chapter 1, which is where I originally meant to go, but that's good because I'm going to go back to Acts chapter 2, I think, here in a little bit. This is what he tells them. On one occasion while, this is talking about Jesus. On one occasion while he, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. That was the very, very last thing that he said to them. Go and wait in Jerusalem for the gift that my Father will give, the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power when you receive that gift. And you will have the power. You will be able to be witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the earth. I think that's also a good lesson for us to learn. To start local. I mean, start with people that we work with, people that we go to school with, our friends, our family members, people that we know, and then branch out from there and keep, you know, and, and I'm not saying if, if you see a foreigner come by or somebody who's foreign to you, that doesn't mean don't say anything to them because I haven't talked to my family yet or my friends. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying just reach out. It isn't like you have to take a trip across the ocean to be a witness and to bring people to Christ. Thank God for those people that do that. People have to do that. But people have to reach these people here in Colony and Saratoga and Malta and, you know, all these areas, Clifton Park, Schenectady, Albany. We, God has put us here for such a time as this to reach folks who we can reach. To reach folks who we can reach. And you will receive power. Speaking of this, you guys remember... How Peter, you know, Peter gets a, a bad rap. He disowned, or he denounced, he disowned, he admit, he said that he did not know Christ. Three times he did that. And we also look at Peter as, man, he was the dude that, he said a lot of stupid things. He, he had unction, he had excitement in the Lord, but he just didn't have control over what he was doing. You know, it's like, I'm going to pick on Riley for a second because he's easy. He's doing a great job. He's, he's much, much better than he was a year ago on the drum, still learning, doing well. Um, but sometimes I got to tell Riley, hey, man, I like what you're doing, but you got to contain yourself, man. You can't play so loud. You know, you got to be a little easier on those cymbal crashes. You know, you're, you're getting excited. You're, you're playing in the beat. You're, you're playing in, we call it in the groove in music. You're, you're filling in the groove, doing well, but you're getting excited. Now you got to, you got to gear down a little bit. At ease, soldier. Just relax. Keep playing. Keep in control. That's the way Peter was. And, and you know what's cool about that? Because if he keeps it up, he's going to be a great drummer. Peter became a great preacher. And it wasn't because of his own strength. It wasn't because of his own ability. Because we saw how Peter really had a lot of failures on his own. However, on the day of Pentecost, that's what I meant. I said Passover. It was the Feast of Pentecost. Sorry about that. Um, Peter stands up. People are going like, what's going on here? You know, we hear all these, these things going on. We're hearing everybody speaking our own language. What's happening? And Peter stands up 
out of anybody, he stands up and he starts to preach. And he says, this is what's going on here. And he starts quoting Old Testament scripture from Joel, explaining exactly what's going on there at that moment. And he continues on and he starts to talk about what men must do. He goes on. Here's what he says. When the people, when the people heard everything that Peter said, this is Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? From this guy preaching this message, I'll, I'll even back up just a hair on this. I'll back up to verse 34. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet the Lord said to my Lord, he's, he's quoting what David had said in the uh, Old Testament, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured that this God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replies in verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. This promise, this gift of the Holy Spirit, is for every single living person who will call upon the name of the Lord and who the Lord God will call. Really, God has the door open. He's waiting for us to open the doors of our hearts and say, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. With many other words, he warned them, verse 40, talking about Peter. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Just from one little guy who wasn't just a plain old fisherman, just a rough cut guy who knew how to cuss, who knew how to be rough, he knew how to catch fish. But God, Jesus Christ, changed his life. Not just changed him, not just gave him power so he could do these things, but changed his entire life, his attitude, his look on life. It's said, I, I wasn't there back then, I'm old, but not that old. I have a little gray hair, but not that much. That Peter was crucified upside down because as he was going to be crucified, he stated that he was not worthy to die the same death that his Lord and Savior died. This guy that would deny Jesus three times in one night after looking him right in the eye and said, Lord, I would never deny you. This same guy had the boldness and the power to preach that sermon on the day of Pentecost and over 3,000 or approximately 3,000 people were added to their number that very day. 
and the same guy that was willing to say, hey, I'm willing to die for my Lord because I know that the second I die, I'm going to be with him forever and ever and ever. And I miss him. I'm looking forward to being with him. That's the heart that we need to have. That needs to be our thought process. Instead of, you know, I thought it was neat. You know, we were watching that video and we're looking at some pretty cool stuff. You know, I mean, people doing different stuff. You know, some people are into um, climbing the corporate ladder. Some people are into doing extreme sports. You know, all different. We're, we're, we're one body with many parts. We're the body of Christ. We're one body with many parts. We all have different gifts, different talents, different things that we can do and say and, and be. And the question is, are we willing to use those things that we're gifted in for God's glory and grace to forward the kingdom? Or is it all just about us and what I want to chase after in this life? I want money. I want lots of money so I can buy big toys and do big things. And Man, I want toys more than probably as much as anybody else for sure. But if that's my heart, is just to chase after toys and having fun, and I'm not willing to use any of that money for the kingdom of God, but it's all about me, and, and hey, I want cool cars, and I want cool motorcycles. and Yeah, I could use a jet airplane, too. Actually, fortunately, God's, God's lucky that I don't like flying, so I'm not asking him for one of those. Um, <clears throat> so that's one thing you can mark off the Christmas list there, Lord. But God is good. God has blessed us all with so many things. I mean, we all, we all have houses or places to live. We all have food to eat. You know, we're not living out on the streets. We're not free. I walked past a lady this morning that was probably living on the streets here in Colony on the bus stop, at the bus stop, right up front here of the building, all wrapped up, trying to stay warm. And we don't have those issues. We need to be willing to, to show love and affection toward these people and introduce them to the gospel of Christ and, and also to help them with their physical needs, which we got to use wisdom too. I mean... You don't want to just throw your money at them because they're going to throw their money in the wrong direction and it's not going to do anybody any good. Giving them money so they can buy alcohol and drugs is not going to help them. But maybe giving them food, buying them food, buying them clothes to wear, offering to maybe even take them to, uh, if they want, to get their hair cut, help them out. Know, depending on the situation, who it is and how close we are to them, they need to see that we love them, that we care about them and their situation, not just that we can preach the gospel all day long and say, hey, you need Jesus, you need to be saved. But if we don't show them the love of God, we're like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, 1 Corinthians talks about. We can do all these things. We can have gifts, we can move mountains, we can speak in other tongues, we can do all these things. But if we have not love, we are nothing. 
We want to be effective. We here at Arise Church want to be effective. We want to be useful. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, help us to hear your voice. Help us to have your heart, Lord, your burden for people, your caring for people. Lord, we want to make a difference, a, a, a real difference, a good difference. Lord, show us, speak to our hearts, show us what we can do as individuals and as this body that can draw people into your kingdom, that can help this area of colony be a, an area that looks to you versus looking to other stuff for satisfaction. Help us to bring them the light, the truth. Help us to show them compassion that we truly do love and care for each and every one. I don't care. I don't even care if they're a murderer, Lord. Lord, our, we need to have the heart that you have. You desire that none should perish, but that all should have eternal life. Help us to have that same heart, Lord. And, and Lord, it is tough when we see people that are terrible people by what they do, by their acts. It's real easy for us just to say, yeah, Lord, you give them what they deserve. Lord, Jonah had that feeling about the people of Nineveh, but you cared for them. You had other plans for them. Lord, help us to see people through your eyes. Thank you, Lord, for this message. Thank you for the worship time. Thank you for everything you've done for us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the rest of our time together. Touch our hearts. If there's anything in our hearts that you change, Lord, I don't care if it's sin in our lives. I don't care if it's bitterness. Maybe it's just we need more boldness, Lord. We, we want to witness to people, but we don't know how. We don't know what to say or how to do it. Lord, Please help us. In Jesus' name, amen. What I'm going to play a song here in a second. And what I really want for all of you to do is to, to, to pray, to judge your hearts. And if there's anything that you need, think about it, pray about it, and ask God, Lord, how can I help this? How can I be better in this area? How can I make a difference? And it, Maybe it's just a case of, you know, I want to be a witness and testimony, but I don't know what my part is, how I fit into this picture. Please, come to, come to Dan or myself or Soiki and, and just ask for prayer. And we'd love to pray with you and try to help you through it, maybe give you some, some advice from things that we've learned over the years, things that have worked for us and things that maybe haven't worked for us. Don't let's not just go home today and say, yeah, that was a cool service. But let's go home changed for for God. Let's make a difference.